episode 102. Welcome to Dharmic Evolution. Hey everybody, I'm your host, James Kevin O'Connor, singer-songwriter, audio-video artist, master storyteller, and now international talent agent. Hey, we're out to the beautiful state of Oregon today to visit with Theo Shook, known as the Kurt Vonnegut of songwriting, an urban folk singer hailing from the streets of Detroit, bringing the Rust Belt groove all together with vocal, piano, and guitar. Get ready and strap up your seatbelts for Theo Shook. Have you heard the news? There is a brand new musical act out on the airwaves called Mercy. This is something that you have never heard before. It's spiritual. It's the truth unleashed. With scripture delivered by Christine Mercy. Along with drums, guitars, pianos, violins, and vocals from singer-songwriter James Kevin O'Connor. Yes, a little bit of heaven on earth. And just in time. Behold, the brand new single from the forthcoming album, I Am Victorious. Yes, Jesus came, he saw, he taught, he preached, he healed, he suffered unimaginable torture, and not only defeated the evils of Satan, but he won the entire war for the entire world. And as he stated in the song, I'm going home, back to the throne, victorious, it's glorious. I've many rooms in my father's house for all of us. It's glorious. Learn to trust in his name. I Am Victorious, the new single, is out now and available on iTunes, Amazon, and CD Baby. Recorded just weeks ago on Music Row in Nashville, Tennessee. Download the single I Am Victorious right now on iTunes, Amazon, and CD Baby. And keep your eyes open for the full album release coming soon. Featuring Come, Bless You, Amen, I'm Afraid, It Is Finished, and yes, the title track, I Am Victorious. Available right now. Go to iTunes, CD Baby, or Amazon and download your copy of I Am Victorious today. And keep your eyes and ears open for the new band, Mercy, coming to a venue near you soon. This message is sponsored by the James O'Connor Agency. So today on the Dharmic Evolution, I am delighted to have Theo Shook. And um, Theo, I just want to welcome you to the Dharmic Evolution. Good to have you here, my brother. Thank you, James. It's great to be on Dharmic Evolution. I appreciate you asking me on. Yeah, a lot to talk about. You're an author and a singer-songwriter, a whole bunch of stuff. Bob Dylan was one of your guys that you grew up with, and so I am anxious to hear all about you. You're um, from uh, Detroit originally, right? Correct, yeah. I grew up there, left there when I was 28 years old. Uh-huh. Spent, spent a little time in Los Angeles, and then uh, almost a quarter century in San Francisco before landing here in Oregon. Wow. And tell yeah. us about Oregon. How is it? You, met, you made a- it up the a- Oregon Trail, huh? Absolutely beautiful. Yes, I did. Uh, actually, uh, my novel actually touches on a little bit of that. But uh, yeah, I came up here, my wife and I, about eight years ago, decided to get a little bit more green and a little le- less cement in our lives. Right. And uh, explore different areas. We wanted to go, go a little bit smaller town. And uh, found Eugene, Oregon, which is a, a university town, so there's still a lot of culture here. Right. And uh, landed here. Awesome. I've heard so. I haven't had the pleasure of Oregon yet, but I've heard so many beautiful things about it. It's like, uh, you know, the land of make believe. <laughs> yeah. Well, James, come and visit sometime. Yeah. I, I, listen, I, I will. And before we get into your book, hey, let's let everybody know what. 
Theo is all about, and this is called Let Me Know. So check this one out with Theo. Let me know. Let me bow out gracefully And let me soft shoe That was awesome, man. So tell me about this track, man. Let me know where did this come from? How did? Why did you write this song? Well, it was one of my more evolved songs. Is where uh, coming out of a, a, a relationship, of course, it didn't work, and uh, but I did want the person to know that I was there for her, and uh, just to let me know when you need me. Right, right. Yeah. I like I like the sound and the style. Where did you get your style from, man? Well, you know, it was growing up in, uh, you know, I described my style, I tried to, as a urban folk music, because there's a lot of groove and funk in a lot of it. Um, and uh, yeah, mm, I, I would say a lot from Detroit. Uh, I grew up on the the uh, west side. My younger years were on the west side, which was the R&B, the Motown side of Detroit. And, uh, you know, I lived about uh, four blocks away from where Stevie Wonder lived. Okay. Uh, so I was right there in it. And I remember riding buses around Detroit and uh, a bunch of black dudes in the, in the back of the bus singing doo-wop, which was always a lot of fun. So I, I enjoyed riding buses around Detroit. And then in my high school years, my family moved to the east side of Detroit, which is the rock and roll side, you know, the, the uh, Bob Seger uh, Ted Nugent side of Detroit. Right. And so I got a good good uh, um, feel for the rock and roll. And then I hit my teens and uh, uh, I discovered Bob Dylan. Right. And so lyrics all of a sudden become, became real important for me. And uh, 
I actually, uh, I actually, my first guitar, we were very poor, nine kids, and uh, my first guitar was given to my sister, and it sat in the closet. I remember it because she had gotten it with, uh, my mom had gotten it for her with S, uh, seven and a quarter S&H green stamp books. <laughs> for those listeners that don't know it, S&H green stamp books, when you went shopping, you'd collect these stamps that they'd give you, and you'd fill up books, and you could d- get different products. And so that was my first guitar, seven and a quarter uh, books of S&H green stamps. I remember those days. My mother did the same thing, man. That's so cool. Yeah, they could get sheets and all kinds of things anyway. Right, so, right. So this guitar was sitting in the closet and not getting played, and I heard Dylan's The Times They Are Changing. Right. And and it affected me so that I dug out that guitar and I learned the song. I taught myself the song. I never, never touched an instrument before. Then I noticed that the girls like guitar players. So I kept going, hey, I was 17 years old. I admit I was a, a hormonal kid, and uh, so I was learning guitar for that. And eventually, it became less about the girls and more about the music. And now I play multiple instruments. And it all started with Bob Dylan's The Times They Are Changing. Yeah, you know, I don't know. The the equation, you know, the balance of uh, more instruments does not necessarily equal more women. But it's more attention anyway. (laughs) Yeah, it it did not. It did not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hey, I got to read this. Dubbed the Kurt Vonnegut of songwriting, Theo Shook is critically acclaimed singer-songwriter and an award-winning novelist, lyrically akin to and armed with Vonnegut's rapier wit and incisive insight. Theo's slant on the world has been described as catawampus and exhilarating. That is so cool. So tell me about that. Uh, about uh, the writing? Yeah, Vonnegut and everything. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I, I think that was a twofold thing having to do with my literature. And also, my my lyrics and uh, my performances tend to be a lot of storytelling, too. Right. So, I'll, you know, I, I tell stories about a lot of the songs, and um, it, it's, it, it's just a, a fun show, a fun thing to do. Right. Where do you where do you spend most of your gigging? Do you do like regional tours, local tours, like uh, coffee houses? Like, what's your what's your favorite thing, or what are you doing lately? Yeah, I enjoy the intimate spaces. Uh-huh. Uh, I last summer I I tend to go on a couple tour, one or two tours a year. Last year I did a big mid midwestern swing. This year I finished a California tour. I dropped down to California and did a. Uh, uh, couple weeks down there and i'll probably do another one i do a lot especially when i'm touring as a singer songwriter and performing solo right it's very expensive to bring a band along yeah Uh, so i I do that and the storytelling goes in that and when locally i play a lot with uh theo's trio which is my little trio of uh i I play piano i have a a sax player and an upright bass player that play and uh, there's a a lot of groove If, if if a trio like that can get funky we can do that Uh, We do have a wide range from folk to funk on it. And um, I I also do book book signings and uh, 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 I do lectures. I have a a lecture around the world words where I relate uh, different types of writing, songwriting, poetry and uh, and uh, novel writing. So with a rust belt groove bolted under vocal, piano and guitar songsmith, Theo Shook brings a gritty, urban, blue-collared sound to songs of love and hope and survival. So that's your gig right there, man. It's all about the story. It is. Yeah. It is indeed. Love mm-hmm. that. 
Gotta love that. So tell me about, you, you, I want you to continue the journey when you were young, like you, um, you know, you stole your sister's guitar or whatever. Yeah. And, and, borrow. Uh, that, yeah, borrow. borrow. That, that happens all the time. You know, when, when I was a little kid, we, we were like, I think I was like four or something. My brother got a tractor for Christmas and I pushed him off of it and just commandeered it. You know, I don't remember it, but the, you, sometimes you just know what is yours, you know? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I, I'm with you. If my sister had gotten a tractor, I might be a farmer today. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, so tell me about as your journey continued, like as a youngster, like what was your evolution? Like you got to the Bob Dylan songs and um, you started crafting more of storytelling things. And, um, you know, as your journey continued, when did you start going into the the mode that, hey, I'm, I, I want to give a swing at songwriting uh, and, and kind of find my own voice. When did you first realize that? Well, well James, I think you nailed it when you said Dylan. Uh, he kind of he blew my mind. He, he let me know that it, um, you, he opened up songwriting. You know, all of a sudden it wasn't, uh, uh, although I love the Beatles, uh, but it wasn't just uh, three minutes and you're out. He opened it up where you could really tell a story and explore. And that's been the evolution of my life. I mean, I've always wanted to get deeper and deeper into the story and probably why I finally ended up writing novels. Uh, I just like to explore storylines. Right. Right. You know, I want to get into uh, the fact that you're an author and you have a book out. But before we do that, yeah. let's take a little stroll and hear about One More Shot of Cold. Check this out. I don't want to keep guessing. Oh, no more denials, no more confessing. So raise your glass, give a toast to one more shot of cold. Mm, no use being courageous. Let's finish this chapter and turn the pages. And when the book is closed, I'll have one more shot of cold. It's the noviceness in your laughter It's the chip up on your shoulder Give me one more shot of cold before I go In your laughter It's the chip up on your shoulder Give me one more shot of cold Before I go For sweet love's epitaph oh, Chalk up the heartache and a couple laugh Then on that lover's tombstone Right down one more shot of cold Then pour me one for the road Make it a, a double shot of cold Yeah, one more shot 
Shada Cold Theo. That was that was awesome, man. I, I just I'm sitting around a campfire in my mind when I'm listening to that. <laughs> Very cool. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. So so what is that about? Is that about hanging out at a bar somewhere, or what is one shot of cold? One well, more shot. Well, it's actually one more shot of cold is just uh, one more time before you leave. I tend to introduce this song as. Um, as a relationship that should have never been. It's one of those relationships. And uh, it went on for far too long. And uh, uh, she, was, she was a good woman. We had two things in common, though. We were both terribly infatuated with her. And uh, neither one of us cared much for me at the time. So this wow. is when I was pretty, That's a this first. pretty young. So, <laughs> so what came out of that was one more shot of cold when I left there. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Narcissism on steroids. What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> well, so you, how old were you when that happened? Oh, geez. Probably mid-20s. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, um, and, and now she's still out there looking, I bet. <laughs> so. uh, could be. Uh, she, if she has a mirror, she's found, found herself. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So, hey, let's get into the book now. So is this the first book? It's called Heart Scarred. And you yes. won the 2014 Laramie Book Award for Best in the Literary, literary Western. Um, so tell me, what in, first of all, what inspired you to write this book? Well, um, I wanted to, we're back to the storytelling. And although I love songwriting, you're only, you only get three minutes to make, to, to really explore an idea. And in this particular book, themes are really important to me. And in this particular book, uh, it was a, the, the whole theme is about home. And in a song, I could take one or two uh, or three songs and explore it from different angles. But with a book, it allowed me to explore it from many different perspectives. The the theme of home, what is home? And it's a Western, and I was very, very proud of the award I won because it's a, a, a literary award uh, for a Western. And uh, there, Laramie has uh, many different categories, so the traditional Western, contemporary Western. Uh, there's, o- there's only the one literary western award and it was real important to me for me to write a a good piece of literature okay as well as a good western so it was an honor to win that award wow so yeah. so tell us a, a, a more about the book in general like uh, the story about it like the, yeah, yeah yeah i'm excited yeah, to hear great. this um it's about a, a young boy coming of age in in the in the wild west um and he finds himself alone he grew up in a dysfunctional situation Dis- uh, we're back to theme of home again right and uh, i got to explore dysfunctional family situation with him and a functional family a healthy family with another family. And I also got to give a little nod to an Indian uh, collective, a nomadic Indian. And and if you think about it, what is home to a nomadic tribe? You know, to us, we, uh, in the back of our mind, we flash with a, a brick and mortar when we say home. But when you're always on the move, it becomes a little bit more nebulous. Uh, you know, what is home? It's, uh, or maybe even a little bit more innate or personal. Right. So I got to explore home from many different angles in the novel, which a song wouldn't allow me. You know, because you have time limits. I couldn't spend uh, 250 pages in a, in a song. Right. So. It would be a, a lengthy song. <laughs> it, would, it would be the Iliad. Yeah, right. 
I hope you guys are digging this interview with Theo Shook. Right after something merciful, we'll get right back to the interview. You know, in today's world, most people are struggling with something. It may be someone in your life who has a serious illness, a family member who has been incarcerated, death of a loved one, job loss, or one of the many, many challenges we find ourselves immersed in. There is good news, however, and I'm here to tell you about Christine Mercy, spiritual teacher, seminary professor, and songwriter. Christine Mercy, who loves and deeply cares for all people, regardless of race, age, or creed. Dr. Mercy has a powerful ministry called Mercy Worldwide Ministries. This ministry cares for the sick and the dying and the disabled. If you have a need for prayer or perhaps a project that requires support, reach out today at mercyworldwideministries.com. Let's face it, we all need a trusted mother figure to give us a hand up from time to time. Reach out to mercyworldwideministries.com today and check out the programs and resources available to you. Sponsored by the James O'Connor Agency. So, so where did the, like, when, how did you get inspired to like, what was the, what was the trigger that said, Hey, I I need to turn this idea into a whole novel? Yeah, well, that was it. That was it. I was uh, struggling with some, uh, the idea of home and writing songwriting, poetry had always been cathartic for me Right. and things I wanted to deal with and flush out in my whole life. Some people go to therapists, some people drink a lot. I've had a few beers, mind you, uh, right. but but people find different ways uh, to flush out what they need to flush out. I needed to write heart heart scarred. Right, I, I love the title, heart scarred. Yeah, yeah, very very cool. So where is this setting? Like, where is it? You mentioned in the West. Any particular town, state? Is it in Oregon? Where was it? Where did it happen? Yeah, it, it starts out in in Westport, uh, Louis. Um, I'm sorry, Kansas, Westport, Kansas, and travels up to Rawlings. Uh, Colorado, and uh, there's the space between. So uh, the Old West, and the time is around 1865 to eight, uh, 1875. Right. So, so it's a traditional Western in that in that way. So, so what happens in somebody's house in those days? That you know, the theme of the home, for instance, like like what set it up for us? Like get, bring us into that house. What goes on in a house like that in that time frame? Yeah, here's the thing, is that it's about home, not necessarily house. Okay. So it's about finding what it is inside of yourself uh, that is home. Where is home for you? Right. And for this young boy, he, uh, he he went through a struggle of growing up in a dysfunctional... His, his father was an alcoholic. He, he grew up as a bar swab, and this is the person who empties the spit buckets and cleans out the, white, uh, the, the uh, outhouses in a bar oh. in, the, in the Old West. Yeah. And uh, and so he grew up in, in that environment and decided to just escape it. And as a young man, just took a Bowie knife and headed out into the wild. Uh, that was it for him. He was going to find a different kind of home than that. So in that home, he was out there like hunting his own food, you know, cooking his own food, just living off the land? Yeah, um, he he was doing that as best he could. And he wasn't doing it very well until he... Uh, a happenstance upon an Indian tribe that took him in. And so I got to explore home in an Indian tribe through an Indian tribe, too. Wow. Any personal experience with this? You? 
I have ne- never lived in an Indian tribe. Okay. <laughs> I, I know someone I, who has. That's why I was just curious yeah. if, you know. I actually had a real nice opportunity to uh, um, experience it in Wisconsin, a right. tribe, and, and stay on the land for a while, which was a very, very special experience. But I wouldn't say I lived there. Uh, it, I was a voyeur. Right. So when so when this boy was living with this Indian tribe, like what were some of the uh, you know, what were some of the highlights? What were some of the experiences that happened to him that were noteworthy? Yeah, well, you know, it was right at a time when the Indian Wars were heating up. And so there was a lot of conflict in the tribe, whether to keep him in or not. The, The younger warriors looked at him as the enemy. Right, and uh, uh, so there was that going on, and, and uh, a couple of the the uh, uh, older uh, one of the medicine men basically adopted him, and that's what was his salvation in the tribe and kept him there until it just became came too acute. The wars became too acute, and they asked him to leave, so he wasn't kicked out. But wow, was, that so. they were they were so polite. Man, yeah, I, you know, yeah, I think yeah. they'd stake him up in the fire, you know, or something, yeah. you know. But, well, they uh, saved him, actually. When he was out there on his own, he wouldn't have made it a whole lot longer. He had some pretty nasty experiences before uh, three warriors found him and, and took him took him home, right. basically. Well, it's just, you know, you got you to gotta appreciate, though, that, that you know, the, the Indian tribes were being just savagely, you know, uh, just genocide was happening to them, you know. It was... Um, it was just almost such a hor- such a horror for that to happen, you know. Yeah. So yeah, you, you, absolutely. You, you read about about it, and your heart will break. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Promise. Hey, you know yeah. that's a good time to play "Pull Me from the Rubble." Here we go. Hey, it's a great time. Yeah. We're strangers when we kiss We both want something different But we're settling for this Like playing game on the open plane Like babies in the jungle Come on, pull me from the rumble We're lonely when we're on our own And we're lonely as a pair And lonely is as lonely does It's like living in a bubble
So we got to ask you all about this one. So what's the deal, Theo? Pull me from the rubble. What's that about? Yeah, actually, a lot of people, that's probably my uh, the most requested song. I think a lot of people relate to it. And rubble has been different things for different people. Uh, th- in this song, it, it tends to be about uh, relationships and uh, relationships gone sour. And uh, you're just left laying there in a rubble of all of the might-have-beens and the, the angst. Right. You, uh, that, that seems to be your favorite subject. Is that it correct? does, at least on these particular songs. Yeah, yeah, it? yeah. Well, the one, yeah, we we got a we got a running thing going here. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't want to leave people with the idea that uh, that's all I am, but uh, that certainly uh, growth happens. You got to grab it when you can, and it often happens in in the toughest moments. Right. Hey, and I wanna... so that's where songs come. And if you'll notice, I think most songwriters that are introspective are writing more painful songs than happy songs. And I think the reason is is because you, uh, when you're hurt and alone and you, you've lost something, you're uh, you reflect. You need something cathartic. You're working on stuff. When you're in a happy relationship. You're not at home alone and writing, so you're just not spending as much time on your instrument. You're out enjoying the world with uh, the company you're keeping. That is so true, so true. Hey, I wanted to ask you about your vocal style. Where did that come from? Like, how did you, um, you know, get yourself in a position where you you absorbed enough different things to end up with the style that is Theo Shuk. How did that happen? Yeah, you know, wow, nobody's ever asked me that, James. That's a great question. Well, I always I, ask great questions, my friend. That's all the Dharmic Evolution's about. I, I, <laughs> I would have been a lot more scared had I known you do such a incisive questioning. Yeah. Uh, listen, that's going to have to be something I explore within myself. On, on a quick answer, it would be... No, don't go just, quick. I want to hear it, man. So, Well, it was so. just like your Dharmic Evolution. It was an evolution. Right, uh, okay. I, and uh, it, it grew. You know, I had some 
favorites growing up, some favorite singers, uh, uh, and they're going to be pretty eclectic. I'll throw some names at you. Uh, Cat Stevens and Alice Cooper and uh, and uh, Marvin Gaye, you know, and so I, I was trying to model myself as a young man after a lot of different people, and there was always, always the, the folk influence, too, so right. I wanted something real and throaty, you know. Uh, I listened to vocalists probably in a little bit different way. I Personally, I consider Frank Sinatra the first rock and roll vocalist just because he took it outside of the, the clean and uh, prettiness that was going on in jazz. He just right. kind of bro- broke the mold. Yeah. Well, it doesn't surprise me that you mentioned all those people because I think we're all, you know, a, a, an eclectic combination of a bunch of different personalities that just happen to appeal to us, you know, and we end up finding our own voice through the voices of others. I believe uh, you're right, James. I I think that's very astute. Yeah, you know, one of the things, I heard this interview one time where Frank actually um, got counsel from Pavarotti. And he was, you know, Pavarotti was was actually giving him like, you know, I wouldn't say a voice lesson, but he was describing warm-ups and techniques and and what to do, you know, when you prepare for a uh, performance, you know. Wow. And I I thought that was so cool of, um, it just showed that... uh, that, you know, Frank would go out and try to, you know, always become a better singer. You know, he always, yeah, he, was yeah, always yeah. he was a bit self-deprecating at times, you know, eh, I'm a saloon singer. But uh, personally, I, I liked his work. He had a lot of great songs and I, I liked his voice a lot. Yeah, I'm with you, brother. I'm yeah. there. So this was cool, man. All those people you you mentioned, you know, Cat Stevens, Alice, I grew up on all that myself. I loved all their uh, their work, actually. Yeah. So, so let me ask you about the recording process, uh, Theo. Like, um, where do you record? Do you do home studio? Do you go in a professional studio? Uh, what's your process for getting your, your records made? Yeah, uh, I like home studio. And that's because, um, uh, once again, a song evolves with me. Right. So I'll lay down initial tracks and then I'll let it grow. Uh, and if I were going into... a, a somebody else's studio where you're paying so much an hourly and you got to get in there and knock it down. Uh, that doesn't appeal to me as being able to uh, let it grow organically. Right. What, 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 uh, what platform do you use? Are you like uh, Pro Tools, Logic? What do you use? Yeah, I got a, I've got a mini disc, that, a eight track mini disc. Of course, you've got infinite tracks when you have uh, um, digital but I tend to try to stay within eight tracks. I'm not here to, uh, you know, flood uh, a sound. I, I like cleaner sounds. I like to keep it basic. As a matter of fact, this last CD, Too Many Shadows, every track is just bass, drums, unless it's congas, bass, drums, and uh, uh, either acoustic guitar or acoustic piano. I don't even put acoustic, uh, piano and guitar on the same tracks. Although I could, and I enjoy that. I just like to pare things down. Right, right. So let's so let's break it down a little further. Songwriting process. When you first get an idea, like what's your favorite go-to instrument? You jump on piano, guitar. What what do you do? Man, you are all over me with these good questions. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, actually, each song uh, tends to develop its own way. Sometimes I write on piano. Sometimes I write on guitar sometimes are right on saxophone or bass uh, uh depending uh, melodies tend to come out of saxophone more grooves tend to come out of the bass when i'm uh writing on bass uh piano and guitar i love writing on both of those they, they both offer different um views 
right. of, of the aural experience. Wow, so you're all over the place, man. You've got a great command of all these different instruments. That, that is so cool that you play sax. When did you pick up the sax? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, uh, probably in my early 30s, I was with an R&B band, and uh, we didn't have a horn player, and some of the songs we were covering was some R&B stuff, and uh, you know, it would be nice if we had some uh, some sax in it, so I said, I volunteered, and so I, I started out just p- putting in horn stabs here and there to do the R&B, you know, uh, uh, James Brown type stuff, Right. and it just grew from there, and uh I was it was interesting because I was poor at the time, so I only had these rock and roll books, and I started getting requests from jazz uh, bands to play with them, and I could only had these rock and roll books to learn my licks from. So all of a sudden, I'm the sax player playing Jimi Hendrix licks in, in the middle of jazz tunes, which wow. is kind of fun. Yeah, and all the cats were saying, "Hey man, where'd you learn that?" Because they're all coming up through Coltrane and everything, so they have all these licks. They had no idea of a, a Eric Clapton lick how nice it would fit into a jazz tune or something yeah. like well hey man that's the way to do it man mix it up right hey yeah, so, yeah, so what yeah. would be your um theo what would be your favorite instrument like what would you consider yourself your strongest uh instrument well that's a really good question and my answer is pretty standard on that my favorite instrument is the one that's in my hands okay which is a pen and a pad or a guitar? No, no. Whichever instrument, whether it's guitar okay, or gotcha. piano or sax, whichever right. instrument is in my hand, that's right. my favorite instrument. Awesome. It's so good to have a wealth of creative surroundings when it comes to you know architecting your music because you know you, you never know where it's going to come from. You know that great melody line or the riff or whatever it is, um, like you described, it can come out on either a bass or acoustic guitar, a piano riff or whatever. But who cares as long as it comes out, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, so favorite gigs? Um, I think we covered a little bit of this earlier, but but do you like the great, great, big, big shows, or do you like um, do you like small, intimate? Like, if you had a fave, what would it be? Oh, it would definitely be the small intimate. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I I couldn't imagine not doing that. I mean, it just to, to to make a real connection. And I like to do uh, my lecture, my storytelling the best because I can actually get feedback from the audience. And uh, the the lecture I cover uh, the range of uh, the differences and similarities between songwriting, poetry, and and novel writing. And it, it's it's fun to explore and it's fun to get questions. That's my favorite. My absolute favorite is question time. Right. So so you you invite people to uh, after you complete a song. Hey, you know, give me give me some narratives here. Give me some questions. Holler up whatever you want and and just get a dialogue going. Yeah, off times with songs. Certainly, whenever I finish a lecture, I open it up for questions because you can never cover it all. And I found that that's when my growth happens because I, I love getting asked things that I don't know. Or that I haven't thought of. Like you gave me a couple questions uh, today that I will take home and mull uh, just because, uh, you know, you sparked an idea in me. And so it's always the best for me when I'm getting feedback. So you bring up an interesting point, lecturing. So when you do a lecture, is what is it on generally? Is it on uh, novels or like what's your subject? Yeah, it's it's the similarities and differences between uh, what they, what a song does, what a poem does, and what a novel does, because they're they're different. Songwriting and, uh, and poetry are much more acute vision. 
I call I call them a microscopic vision, whereas a novel allowed me a a wide angle lens. So I got to open up once again talking about the view of home in a song. I could explore home in three minutes from this angle or that angle with the with the uh, with the novel. It opened up the vision. So okay. I was ex- able to explore home in a lot different. And so that's what the lecture is basically about. So let me ask you, do you ever incorporate like your music with a lecture? Well, <laughs> that's a very interesting question. James, you're surprising me here. This is wonderful. Yeah, you got to uh, do that, man. That'd be cool. Well, I actually, my novel, Heartstart, even though it's a Western, it has 33 t- t- uh, chapters in it. And every chapter title in Heartstart is a song title from my music portfolio. Wow. So I did blend them. They are they were symbiotically written. So this is cool. So you can do a lecture with the book attached to that and just select, you know, whatever whatever chapters you want to cover as as your topic for the evening and then uh and then just, you know, play the song and then open it up to questions. You do things like that? I do exactly that. Uh, I'll take a song, I'll play the song, and show how uh, the songwriter's vision, where it's this three-minute encapsulate, and uh, then I'll I'll read that same chapter and show how I was able to expand on those ideas in the song. Very cool. I love it, man. I think that would be like an awesome evening out to see you to uh, to do that that kind of performance. Hey, I'm going to play Running With The Dogs, but I want you to set this up with us and tell us all about Running With The Dogs. What is, what is it about and what's going on with this song before we hit it? Yeah, this is one of my favorite tunes on, on, the, on the CD, Too Many Shadows. It, you'll hear the Detroit in it a lot especially my vocals. Uh, but uh, it's kind of fun because it goes through different grooves. It starts out with a funk groove, goes into a swing, a 12-8 swing, then does a squared 4-4, and back to the funk groove. So it's all, it's all over the place in grooves, and it's just a lot of fun. The, the idea is, when I was growing up, I was my buds and I were just bad boys just out there running with the dogs awesome so all you folks out there get ready for some 12 8 and 4 4 and back again and it's running with the dogs all right come on now Close and you'll hear the howl of the pack on their midnight prowl. When I answer to nature's call, I'm out running with the dogs. I'm running with the dogs. I'm running, running with the dogs. I tell you true, I'm no angel, I'm no saint. There's many good things that I ain't. Call me the devil just because I'm out running with the dogs. I'm running with the dogs. I'm running, running with the dogs. All right. Yeah. I'll make it sexy. <laughs> Here we go.
there were sticks to shake, Mercedes to chase and bones to beg. But come moonlight, I will bear my jaws and be out running with the dogs. I'm running with the dogs. I'm running, running with the dogs. Yeah, running with the dogs. Running with the dogs. Yeah, that was pretty, pretty cool. Good. Glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, man. Yeah. Running with the dogs. Out with your buds. Having a having a time of it, man. You guys yeah. use milk bones or no? <laughs> <laughs> Why, you? <laughs> hey, hey, I want to also ask you about, I want to get into a little bit about what you do for marketing your music. Do you use social media? And if so, what platforms do you use? Yeah, I'm just doing Facebook right now, um, okay. and so you can find me uh, Facebook uh, Theo Juke, uh, backslash Theo Juke, um, and of course I think we might have found each other on Reverb Nation, so yes. I have that up, and then I have my website that I'd like to direct people to because you can get all my products, including my novel, at www.ted. T E D Shuk C Z U K. So that's T E D C Z U K dot com. Okay, cool. So so your biggie is Facebook. Are you into any of the other things? Twitter or any of those things? Or just Yeah, no, I haven't gotten there yet. Right, right. Okay. Just checking on that. Let me ask you this. As a songwriter, like what is the biggest challenge you feel uh you face as a singer songwriter, as somebody who's out there? Uh, trying to market your products, trying to get notoriety, trying to advance yourself um, as a, as an artist. What do you feel the biggest challenges are? Uh, finding outlets. Yeah, when when you when you're a big name and you have lots of money and, and a lot of power behind you, there's a lot of opportunities and outlets. Right. Um, you, Dharmic Evolution, uh, is such a special program because you're allowing artists that don't have that. You know, and, and I've listened to a number of your programs, and you pick up some very special people. And this is just a quick aside. I'd encourage people to check out your other uh, artists that you interview. But uh, place, uh, places like Dharmic Evolution and places like that, I try to find or I certainly um, uh, accept invitations like yours right. uh, when, when somebody comes to me. Right. Well, Reverb Nation is a great place for that because it allows um, – us to scour the countryside and you know the actually the whole world um, to find people like yourself who um, who have put a lot of effort and work into their craft and their artistry and and those are the people we love to have on this show. Um, incidentally, we're we're just getting picked up by a, a worldwide radio network, so uh, I'll be I'll be speaking about that very soon. That we're going to jump from 49 countries to 196 countries overnight. So it's a very exciting uh, little. Wow! Thing. Congratulations. So, yeah. So it's not only a. It'll be. It'll be twofold. It'll be a podcast, and it will be a worldwide radio network. So um, more info as that as that comes along. So any any special gigs or anything that you have coming up, Theo? Or any special projects that you'd like to share with us that you have coming up in the near future? Well, gigs, they can check out. Uh, I try to keep Reverb Nation up on that and my website. I always keep that posted uh, to see if I'm in your area. Uh, as far as special projects, I'm doing a, a 
a two-fold CD and novel right now, okay. uh, and they're going to be symbiotically written, and, uh, and that's about all I'm going to share. I, I find that when I talk too much about a project, I burn energy on it. Yeah, that's right, right. Yeah, because there's a lot of unknowns between now and pressing, right? You've got it. Like you don't know what's going to happen. Hey, hey, w- tell me about your most unusual and interesting gig that you ever did. did something happened funny. Somebody jump out of a cake. Uh, you know, somebody light their pants on fire. Tell me, tell me about the most fascinating and unusual or exciting gig that you ever did. Well, this is uh, this is kind of uh, interesting because I'm going to go off off schedule here a little. And uh, that I I was doing a senior home. And I wasn't doing my material. I was doing uh, songs from 20s, 30s, and 40s. And I had a uh, uh, probably 40, 50 people there. And I had some guy in the back call out the name of a song, and I didn't know it. Right. And I felt bad. I didn't know. I said, uh, you know, I apologized. And uh, and he he started singing it. So there's this guy in the back there starting to sing a song. And then somebody joined him. Somebody else. Before I knew it, all of these, I had the whole audience singing this song to me. And I knew in my head that this is special. Sit back and listen to this. So I, I, I had this very special moment when the audience was singing a song to me. And, I, you know, you got to imagine a skinny little guy with a guitar sitting on stage. And, you know, I don't know, 40 to 80 people out there just singing to him. That was the most special moment of my performing career. It had nothing to do with my own music. That is pretty cool, actually. And this was a senior citizen's home? Yeah, yeah, I guess a, a, a retirement center. So it's oh, okay. it a very nice place. And it, yeah. You know, it's a big auditorium. But, uh, but they <laughs> sang to me, which was pretty special. I love that. Hey, hey. so so what's going on with uh, your next tour that you have, uh, that, that, that you have planned? Like ne- next year, this year? What do you have I'm planned? still working on next year's tour. I've got a few things uh, uh, left this year to do, uh, um, a number of things in Oregon here and up to Washington. So it's just going to be local. Next year, I'm hoping to do an East Coast Swing. And once again, if, if you're interested, please uh, check out my website and uh, Reverb Nations. Absolutely will. Hey, Theo, this has been awesome, man. Ladies and gentlemen, Theo Shook, you got to check him out. All of the um, websites, all the information will be in the show notes for you guys to check out. You just tap on the Dharmic Evolution logo, and lo and behold, all about Theo will pop up for you to view and support. So get out there, help him, support him, purchase his music and his novel. And you don't know too many people who are songwriters and novelists at the same time. So Theo, once again, thank you so much for being a part of Dharmic Evolution. Yeah, can I just say real quick, it's been a, a pleasure being a part of Dharmic Evolution, and the time just flew, and it was like hanging out with an old friend. I appreciate your, your time and your energy. Do you ever wonder why you were created and what you're here to do? Then the geography of the soul will help you to find your true place in this world. The music is so inspirational, including tracks such as I Want to Be Loved, State of Grace and Ride On. James Kevin O'Connor is an internationally acclaimed singer, songwriter, music producer, entertainment agent, and a loving father who leads you to find your true place and calms your mind and soul in breathtaking ways. 
Biogeography of the Soul Today by James Kevin O'Connor at iTunes, CD Baby, Amazon, jameskevinoconnor.com, Geography of the Soul, the beautiful CD that you need to own today by James Kevin O'Connor. Sponsored by the James O'Connor Agency. Let me know. One more shot of cold. Pull me from the rubble and running with the dogs. I hope you enjoyed the music of Theo Shook today. You can check him out on the Dharmic Evolution website, now in 55 countries and growing strong. And we are very close to launching our radio television satellite network. It'll put the show into 198 countries very soon. Yes, it's all happening via the James O'Connor Agency, an international talent agency designed to broadcast your global career. Hey, how cool is that? Stay tuned for all the details, and you can now visit the site and find out about the exciting work we're doing all around the world. Go to the jamesoconnoragency.com. That's it for me today. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor, singer-songwriter, audio-video artist, master storyteller, and now international talent agent, broadcasting your global career. So until next time, I'll either see you on the socials, or I'll see you from a stage. Ride on, ride on, baby, won't you take a ride with me?
You're the 